Hey, what's good, people? This is the Option Podcast. This is episode 190, uh, maybe. That guy over there looks like J.D. Hamilton. We're going to find out. The episode starts right now. It's good, J.D. Oh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, got to give the people what they want. Got to give the people what they want. Along with my man, J.D. Hamilton, I'm Jason DeBiz. This is episode 190, at least I think it is. This is the Option Podcast. And we, before the podcast started, had one of the most important conversations we're ever going to have in the human history of life, right? And that is consequences, consequences for our kids, consequences for our kids. You thought we were going to hit you with some volleyball stuff, right? Wrong. Consequences for our children. Your kid got a bad report. Tell them what you made them do. So he's always got a few options, kind of like this podcast. And um, today he chose sprints and burpees for his consequence. So for 10 minutes, we just did variations of sprints and burpees together and yeah, they always try and get you that last two or three minutes. They're always trying to convince you and manipulate you out of it. And you're like, nah, man, we're finishing. We got to finish. Yeah, so no, no doubt. That's how the end of his day went. Yeah. Well, I, I, I wanted to start that the, the episode because uh, eventually, you know, I mean, I got some juniors coaches coming on a few episodes. And I got a juniors coach representing each coast and the, and the Midwest for indoor. And then I'm gonna have like three, four coaches represent for beach. So I got I got someone from every time zone. So, and I think the reason why I brought that up is because I know you want kids to work things out themselves for people listening, and I know you want kids to ask why so they they can understand the why. I get that, and I know when you tell a kid no, you want them to express themselves and this and that. But with that being said, there's a certain there are certain disciplines that are not self-manifested in children. They're taught, right? Uh, for example, right. Ma- manners, how to how to talk to people, how to you know not answer them back. That's that's taught, right? Um, uh, consequences. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like consequences, but consequences build um, tough human beings. You, you know what I mean, um, <laughs> dude? You know what my next T-shirt is? My next T-shirt is "Life's Tough, Wear a Helmet." That's <laughs> that's on its way. That's coming tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, it, even after, like, you know, when we finished that consequence, always like today it was basically he just wouldn't listen to his teacher. She would tell him what to do. He would ignore her and keep doing what he wanted to do. So today our lesson was basically, hey, man, when you're told by your teacher or something, what do you say? And until he started saying, I say, yes, ma'am, we would do another sprint. You know what I mean? And it's like, but after it's all said and done, man, I, I usually get down below his eye level. I tell him I love him. And we really talk about like why we just did that consequence. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I like that's super important. So yeah. So you got some repair this way. It's not this. Um, how could I say this oppositional relationship between the father and his son? Exactly, man. Right? It's you're, like when, I mean, he's not your enemy, but at the same time, you gotta you gotta remind him. I'm, I'm not your fucking friend. <laughs> I'm, yeah, you know, I, I'm your I'm, father, you know, but I got to I got to do my best with you. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I got to make you a good person. So mm-hmm. it's it's hard, man. Like you feel bad kind of, you know, yes. I remember my dad used to say, like, this hurts me a lot more than it hurts you. And I was like, whatever, dad. Yeah. Like, yeah, right. Ted, and now when I did, yeah. <laughs> now I'm like, man, this sucks. Like, this is terrible. 
<laughs> it is terrible. Um, yeah, I got a six. I got a six-year-old. Um, I got a four-year-old. Um, for those of you all listening, sorry I lost my voice. I was doing private lessons today, and the gym I was in, Mr. DJ decided, you know, he wanted to have music, and I do not. Dude, I do not like any form of practice with music. Uh, not, not where... You know what I'm saying? Not where I have to yell. So, <clears throat> so I sound I, I sound like freaking Fat Joe meets Big Pun. Like I'm gonna do a rap a rap thing with with Hamilton. We're gonna do some freestyle instead of talk about volleyball, right? So, um, so I actually listened to the Sandcast, um, and I really really uh, it's very rarely do podcasters take a lot of time to listen to other podcasts but we 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 take we pick our shots so the last time i listened to sandcast was dane dane came on dane blanton and was talking about he's talking about the business you know and i really love what you talked about you were talking about um the work you put in just to just to make the trip just to get on the court Uh, um you know i mean and it's so crazy because I'm I'm gonna give you the floor because you can you can take me through the journey more. I've only been, I've only played one professional beach tournament in my life just just to do it before I got too old. But um, take me to the journey of just actually just getting to the qualifier and and it's so weird. Qualifier? Yeah, like it's so weird because when you get to the qualifier, the main draw seems so far away because it took everything you had just to get. You know, just to make the trip, just to get the hotel, just to um, scatter the competition. You win that first round, right? You still got two more rounds and every round it gets a little bit heavier. So I wanted your thoughts and sentiments on the process of of giving getting to the qualifier. Man, like, obviously the journey was kind of like the come up was the best part. Like, in my opinion, my favorite part was the whole come up. But... That the whole qualifier thing, man, like there's obviously not a lot of volleyball like players with money. So we're having to constantly like, I wouldn't say scam our way into getting places, but you're always like, Hey man, can we uh, put an air mattress on your floor next to all the other air mattresses? And can we, uh, like, it's just kind of a crazy scenario. But for me, like I started playing volleyball and grass with like, 60, 65 year old guys. Um, and they basically talked me into it. I didn't really want to do it at first because I was skateboarding in a ditch that like kind of made a half pipe and they were just like, man, come play with us. And my initial response was, uh, well, you know, that's a girl sport. Why would I do that? You know, like in Alabama, we're just all about football and all about, you know, masculinity. And like, so, um, but decided to play. I had a pretty good time. I was like 18. And then they told me they play every Sunday. So I went back every Sunday. Um, and eventually they asked Did me Joe to play Rogan on their just pod- break this trans. Sorry, go ahead. That was weird. They uh, eventually asked me to play on their FUDS team. And they played in B. And I don't know if you've been to FUDS. No, but, it's, but it's, dude, it's a lot of fun. It's. <laughs> So much fun. I actually just, darn it, just lost in the final this past weekend. So, but anyway, so walk down to B, which is like, I don't know, man, it's a pretty long walk. But as soon as I got there and saw that environment, I knew like, I want to be at least good enough to be happy with myself as an athlete that plays beach volleyball. Right. And so 
Played in B the first year, played in double B the second year, skipped to open, um, scored one point for the whole weekend. <laughs> and my whole team, not just me, like anyone. And I was not the one to score the one point, I'm sure. And fast forward, I end up playing an A, do fairly well the next buds, and then I go back into open and play with Team Mangoes with Jeremy Trotty, who was pretty much like, hey, man, I really think that uh, like you could be good. And he was like kind of telling me that. And so I ended up playing with Team Mangoes. And then moving forward, I was coached by Joey Keener, the legend, for Joey. like, man, he coached me. for. He's still coaching me to this day and teaching me things. And not just as a player, but as a man as well. Like, he's raising his kids also. He's got two. He's got a beautiful family. And it's been such a fun journey with him. And my first AVP season was in 20... 16 maybe it could have been 2017 um i know nvl i did first nvl that i qualified in was 2016 in san antonio okay and i went through the qualifier with matt blank and we did we went oh and two in the main draw and like that first game that i played scholar del sol i was just like what is this like i guess this is a different level and uh because dude we got crushed like <laughs> uh, that was the first time I had seen, like, a truly, you know what I mean. Um, it was him and Piotr, and we got dominated. And then we had a semi-competitive game in our second game, and after that, we went our separate ways. I played in NVL Hermosa that year, and then I ended up, like I said, not scamming my way into qualifiers. I hate using that word, but, I mean, it kind of is, isn't it? Like, Dude, we I have, mean, you ha look, we have to be, dude, we have to be improvisers. The, yeah, it's, I it's mean, the it's one crazy. demographic of athlete, vo beach volleyball players have to, we have to secure knowledge and everything or we have to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, so there was a guy named Weston Hawkins that built a beach volleyball facility in Mobile, Alabama. And basically, I told him, okay, look, there's this kid that I think can be really, really good that I can do it with. And his name's Evan Corey. And I think that, you know, if, if I coach for you, can you pay for me and Evan to play in all these events? And I need that to happen, you know, and if, he's got to be part of it. Because he also, he's a kid, and you know what I mean? He had no money. I had no money. And I just knew Evan was, like, probably my best chance at chasing this insanity. And so... Which, obviously, I mean, we all know how that went now. But so, anyway, he agreed to it. So I coached three days a week, and he said he needed a second coach to buy in in order to pay for Evan. So my wife bought into it, and she started coaching the juniors program as well with me in order to pay for Evan. And so we pretty much we paid for our Airbnbs outright, and then he paid for all of our travel and would always send me money for like some food and stuff. And we played that year, Evan and I, we played AVP, New York, uh, San Francisco, Seattle, um, New Orleans. And that might've been it. And we made it to the round to get in in 
Seattle, and we got crushed by Jeff Samuels and Derek Olson. Dude, Olson was balling back then, though. I mean, dude, Derek is. Yeah, he could I mean, do, they're the both balling, no but man, man, yeah. Derek was really he could ball, dude. Like, and so anyway, and actually, my favorite, one of my favorite volleyball stories. I might have told this on the Sandcast, but we. Wednesday with my, one of my friends in New York. Her name was Abby Rome. And we lost to Chase Frischman and Mike Brunsting in overtime, I think in both the first and second set in New York. And when we finished, dude, we had like, I don't know, man, maybe like 80 bucks to our name. And so I basically, we found out there was a tournament in New Jersey. We found out Abby was going to play in New Jersey. And we found out they were going to pay out at this tournament, okay? And so I think it was $30 a person or no, it was 35 a person to play. So out of our 80, now we have $10 left and we get there. We find out that the beach isn't like a public beach. You have to like, you got to pay to get on the beach. Yeah. You got to pay to get on the beach. And so now we're like, Oh my God, like how much is it? And think it was like four dollars a person it shouldn't be much but to us at the time it was like well i guess we're not eating chicken fingers today because if you know evan like it's just chicken fingers and french fries i mean it used to be i mean the guy's obviously like eating other things if you have seen him but no he still eats um, chicken fingers and french fries he was in california uh, food's garbage here we uh got on the beach we have like two dollars left or whatever we lose our first pool play game we're just so mean to each other and like we're pretty much just like don't, I don't I'm like dude don't talk to me I don't want to talk to you he didn't want to talk to me we're like silent do the whole silent thing and we lose I think we lose our next pool play game and we have to win out now to even break pool and uh Evan just like looks at me and he's like hey man I think we can buy an ice cream cone and like he's like if you want to share an ice cream cone and I was just like uh sure dude like let's let's share an ice cream cone and that actually made us love each other again <laughs> and then and then we go on to win this tournament uh we played chris frazier and i think Josue. In the, yeah. you know Josue? Yeah, I do. okay and so we played them in the in the finals so we ended up winning and we were able to go and get dinner and we were able to survive in New York. And that's just an example of how the qualifiers go, man. It's just such a grind and you sometimes get down to just an ice cream cone and, you know, like, and then we played AVP San Francisco and it was another situation where I was like, I'm going to stay in New York. I mean, I'm going to stay in California after this qualifier. And Evan was like, well, I'm going home. Like, you know, I'm kind of burnt out and there was just a lot of pressure on the season. You know what I mean? I really wanted to, to stay in California because Alabama kid, like I genuinely believed only rich people even went to California. Like I didn't know my, my world perception was so small. Uh, you'd and be so, right now, but <laughs> there, there, there's no middle so, class here anymore, dude. <laughs> it's oh, it's yeah, the broken, really, it's no. the broken, the rich, but sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, you're completely correct. It, I mean, I live a pretty good, decent life in Bama, and over there I would be struggling, bro. And But anyway, so um, I ended up living at this point with on Travis Mowerder's couch for like two or three weeks, 
and then convincing Christian Honer to play with me. And then Christian Honer and I bounced around. Well, we stayed in his car a lot. And then we stayed at Robert De Aurora's house a lot. Love that guy. And like basically just played volleyball on the beach. We ate one Chipotle bowl a day. And I don't know if you remember AVP was sponsored by Kind Bar at the time. Yes. So and just, just dude, we, stocking up. <laughs> dude, we, we like we had so many Kind Bars that year. <laughs> so, you could feed yourself and, uh, at the venues, man, if you do it right. <laughs> It's, it's, I mean, yeah, exactly. There was one venue we went to and they had like guacamole and chips. And we just like, we loaded up on guacamole and chips. And like, we just had kind bars and guacamole and chips. And like, what else do you uh, need? It's, those are fat burners, man. Exactly. And it was like, man, that year was so special because Christian and I are like best friends now. And without that year, we wouldn't have made the bond that we have. And the amount of, great friendships i've made through beach volleyball i think is my favorite part yeah. um mm. i'm so blessed to have like all these connections and all these friends that i've made through this game uh yep there's and a, then yeah no sorry no no you go ahead i'm, I, I'm, I'm pretty much wrapping up with well, that so no there was a lot to unpack but i wanted to go back before we left too far my my question is you do know that are you aware that if there were any other food than ice cream, <laughs> that wouldn't have been a healing thing for you and Evan Curry? <laughs> you do know that, right? <laughs> if Man, that was if so your butt's anything else but ice cream and split the ice cream, I, I, my gut feeling without the bro science to back it, it would have been, <laughs> it could have went another way. Ice cream I mean, cures all, brother. I mean, who doesn't get happy after eating ice cream? We're happy just talking about it. In yeah, fact, exactly. when I get I'm off this podcast, I'm going to make a float. <laughs> so, And it's funny because we're talking about Maverick and consequences. So if he gets no bad notes for the whole week, we always go to our local ice cream shop over here. Aww. And like just us talking about ice cream right now is making me think about the Cookie Monster flavor that we get. Dude, my man. Well, tonight I'm doing vanilla chocolate chip and Bacardi. I'm doing a float. Diet Pepsi, vanilla chocolate chip, and Bacardi Superior. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just enough because the diet's just enough where it's not too sweet. The vanilla chocolate chip is sweet enough. And the Bacardi just a touch is just enough to, ah, to make it a nice little boo. Yeah, a little boozy shake. So, talk to me. I'd like to get back to Joey Keener in a minute, but. You have this pretty cool relationship with you and Christian Honer, right? You're obviously playing high-level volleyball, but you're playing small ball and just just knowing that you have to be better in every other field away from the net, right? You know yeah. you're, you're, they're, they're allowed to take an ace or two. You know you guys cannot, right? They're allowed to maybe, maybe drop some lollipops in, but you know you have to serve competitively to keep them off the net a little bit and give you a chance or at least, or at least make the header lose some of his court vision, right? If he's doing more of this and, more, and, and less this, right, then, then now little guys are blocking him, right? So, so um, talk to me just a little bit about the meeting of the minds with you and Christian and how that came about. Did you just meet, did you meet in San Francisco originally? So, man, Christian and I actually met in the NVL in San Antonio that I qualified in in 2016. And we drank our sorrows away whenever I went 0-2 together. Right. 
And that's how we kind of knew each other. And then every time I went to another stop, he would always go out of his way to talk to me. And I always just got such a good vibe from the guy. And in 2017 in San Fran, we both lost like first round and we were both sitting there just like super sad. And I was like, man, let's just play the rest of the season together. And he was like, uh, are you sure? Like, we're pretty small. And like, I don't know, man. And I was like, ah, let's just do it. Like, we got to do it. And so we started watching, at the time, Loziak and Cantor were the one of the only teams that was doing this, like, crazy offense, right? And so we watched them a lot. And we just tried to copy them as much as we could. We were like, okay, we got to serve really tough. We got to pass really well. And we're just going to do lots of annoying shit all the time. And um, we were like a team everyone should beat, but also no one wanted to play. That made sense. So, 100% sense. I mean, we never broke through. I will say that. Like, it's not like we ever broke through to a true main draw. But we had lost in the round to get in in Manhattan and in Hermosa. And then we were one out in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So we were we were competitive, and we took a third in Seaside. Um, and I think a fifth or seventh in Motherload that first year. So in Motherload, like, man, it is so hard to play there for me. Like some altitude training, bro. What? <laughs> it's evil, my man. <laughs> like, even that's not even just Motherload. It's also Denver. Like, just anywhere over there, it's like, dude, my shots are all out by like a couple inches. It's, so irritating yeah you really gotta dude you gotta uh gotta get that (laughs) you know what i'm saying it's it's motherload well first of all with the mikasa ball right so the combination of the mikasa ball which is already not exactly jump serve friendly and and like hard hitter friendly um combined with the altitude it's eight thousand feet above sea level something that randy stokeless um uh, mentioned multiple times during the broadcast when we did um because you were there for the 50th anniversary it's really uh, dude it's really good I seeing your face dude so like mm-hmm. who, tell everybody who you play with so i played with john mesco and who is like honestly one of my favorite people ever he's, he's just always he's always been so willing to help me learn um just as a human being. And I've always appreciated that so much. Uh, but dude, you walked, you walked me over and you're like, Hey man, I want to introduce you to my friend, Randy. And I was like, you know, I was big time. And I was like, yeah, bro, I'm JD, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, um, he reached out and he like, he grabbed my hand. Right. And the first thing I noticed, I was like, dang, dude, this guy's hands are so big. Like, you know what I mean? Like sausage fingers, like just huge hands. Soup bowls. And I was, I was looking at him. I'm like, man, you look really familiar. Um, and he was like, yeah, do I? And he was like, well, my name is Randy. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I kind of got that. And like, he was like, but uh, my last name's Stoklos. And dude, I almost choked. Like, I like, <laughs> I was like, I'm one of those guys, man, that just, for me, the old school game, I love the Adam Johnsons and the Randy Stoklos. And like, I mean, you name it, bro. Like, Adam Johnson and Ricky Ludes, super fun team to watch. Like, I love the old school game. So whenever I realized who I was talking to, I could barely talk, man. I was just like so starstruck. And I hadn't had that anyone have that effect on me in years. Yeah. And uh, I really appreciate you putting us and introducing us, man. That was awesome for me. It was someone because I, I 
me looking from the outside in, there's some people I'm on the inside in, like some of the people I coach and some of the people I work with. But, um, you know, volleyball has so many clicks or whatever. There's there's so many people I'm on the outside looking in. But you, I'm on the, I was on the outside looking in, but I knew that you had this respect and appreciation because of who you were coaching, how you came up, right? So because Kina was in a conversation and Corey was, I knew that you would um, want to emulate maybe some of the people that came before you or way, way before you or, or, or a little bit before you. So I was like, yeah, I want you to meet someone. <laughs> Dude, that I, meant so much to me. Yeah. Like, it really did. Randy saves all, even, man. Yeah. Even when I was playing with Honer and we were doing like the back shoots and like, you know, the jump setting and all those different things. I remember in Chicago looking over in our first game and Sinjin Smith was watching our game. And I was like, oh, my God, dude, like, Sinjin Smith is watching our game. Like, and then he watched our second game. And I was like, man, he's watching our second game. And then he had, like, two or three friends with him for our third game. And I was like, dude, this is the coolest. Like, you know, even if I don't break through, like, look who's watching us, man. And, like, it was just so awesome. I playing, love all Were you playing Hagen? <laughs> Uh, no, I never played Hagen that year. Oh, okay. um, so this year was the first year I ever played Hagen. Was in Virginia Beach in the third place match. Yeah. Well, finishing with Randy. Randy saves all. Randy, uh, the mother love was the fiftieth anniversary, right? So they were kind of like on hands on on deck. They wanted to do a broadcast and this and that. So they they invited Randy and you know I'm saying gave him the rock star treatment, and they asked Randy who they wanted who he wanted as his broadcast partner. And he said the mother with the Yankee hat. <laughs> so even a guy like me, like I'm 53, but even a guy like me, I'm old enough to, to watch Side Out and remember Rolo Vincent, right? Even if I never, even if I was a volleyball casual, not like a, you know, and not like a purist. Oh, well. Yeah, there's, there's casuals, there's diehards, and there's purists. I'm a purist. So um, knowing that this guy had other options and chose me, you know, yeah. I get it. I get it. I'm honored. I was humbled. Um, I brought a lot of the equipment with me, which helped. You know what I'm saying? We did the bunker cam uh, uh, shot for the interviews. I don't know if you you um, you were one of those things. And Randy saves all, dude. You know, and Randy and Manhattan Beach. Um, I had um, when we, uh, my team got eliminated from Manhattan Beach, I had um, box seats. And there was a guy behind me sitting in my box. He was sitting in Kelly's seat, my wife. And I'm like, I'm sorry, that's her seat. So he gets up, kind of has, has an attitude and like sits next to her. And I'm like, hi, have we met? I'm Jason. I put up my hand. He's like looking at my hand, not shaking my hand. And I went, I went like this. Look, I went. Right. And then finally he shook my hand and I was two seconds away saying, you know, you can get the hell out of my box. I don't, you know what I'm saying? Who, first of all, who yeah. are you and what the hell are you doing in my box? My boy spent 2,800 bucks just to get this box. You just, you're rolling up for free. Get out. Yeah, I was, I was really, and then Randy comes, yeah. Randy's sitting, he's in the box with me because he's, he and, and his wife, Susie, are my guest. So it's me, Kelly, Randy, and Susie. And Randy turns around, hey, I'm Randy. Right. And he goes, wait, Randy Stokeless. And then all of a sudden the robot feels all of a sudden this this dude got a personality. All of a sudden he opens up and he and, and, and he's this real human being. And we ended up getting along. But I'm telling you, if it wasn't for Randy, <laughs> I would have been like, yeah, I'm not going to touch you. But how about I get some of them people over there to, you know, to do this proper, you know, you know, like like Culpepper said, you know, Dave Culpepper, that's our guy, right? I remember Dave, Dave was Dave. trying to get some people out of the guys like, what are you going to do? He's like, I ain't going to do nothing. But those guys are going to those guys will take your ass out. 
So two cool Randy stories I just wanted to say. Um, Randy saves all. And, and by the way, he's a real one. He's a real one. And the reason why Sinjin was watching you, watching you because you're a real one. You, there's something to be said in this world of fake people, in this world of clicks, and in this world where everybody just looks for your worst moments and, and, and says, that's who you are then, that's who you are now. Someone like you rolls up, right? You got this Southern virtue. You know what I'm saying? You're respectful. You're, you shake people's hand. You treat everybody the same across the board, regardless of class structure, regardless of race, regardless of volleyball status. Um, like the way you shook Randy's hand, you shook his hand like a, like a person, you know what I'm saying? And that impressed Randy, right? Like, wow, cool. He's the same kid before I knew he knew I was Randy Stokeless. So the reason why guys like Sinjin were following you is because you brought a virtue back to the sport that, and Corey too, and Evan Corey too, right? That, 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 that kind of, we say grace, we say ma'am type shit, right? That, that. Uh, that's our culture, man. Um, that old school brothers love. That old school brothers are like, man, I wish, I, uh, you know, I wish everybody could teach their kids to be like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you brought that, and you've always impressed me because I, you always, I was always like, be a person. I met you in New York, if you if you remember. I was trying to get you in the club. When I played with Cameron. Yes, I was. I was um, the guy, the guy at Lavo, the was a resident DJ at Lavo. I coached yep. him when he was 17 years old. So he's like, he's like, if your guys are here, they ain't got to stand online. I, I don't know if I actually got you in or if you got in on your own or whatever, but, but that was a good spot. And you, and you dressed up, you, you had your you little white in, shirt, bro. huh? I was back when I had super long locks and <laughs> yeah, you got me in. Yes. And I wanted to say one more thing before we got to Keener, uh, the tournament you played in in Jersey and one. That's a real win. Ziggy's freaking out. Hey, come in. Hey, chill out. Is that your dog? Stop. Stop it. Can he, yes, can he hear dog. me? Because I, I could bark. Did he understand? <laughs> Did he turn around and say, what did that motherfucker just say? <laughs> no, but the tournament you won in Jersey was a real one because in 2016 and 2017, was kind of a boom period for East Coast Beach Volleyball players. Like Chris Frazier, he was playing his best volleyball at that time when you beat him. So you beat the best version of Chris Frazier. Uh, Mike Salek, my boy Mike Salek, Seydou, Ajanako might have been still been in, 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 on the East Coast. But you had a, a um, Arezio, you had a boom period of, of East Coasters that didn't really have good partnerships, but just had, they were just, they man, those, those guys just went after it. So I'm impressed that you did that, you know? Go ahead. Where is he? Bring him in. Where is he? Where Come, the here, Come here. Oh, There's Ziggy. Dude, I got a wife with eyes just like him. Look at that. <laughs> What's the name? Ziggy. Diggy? Yeah. All right, watch this. Ready? Ready? <laughs> he said, what did you say? I don't know what language that is in dog language, but it's obviously a cuss word because it gets their attention. Um, Joey Keener. Talk to me. You talked to me about how you met. You did you meet up through Evan Corey? No. So I actually was really close with Joey before Evan. Um, not that it was a competition. You know what I mean. But so um, the first time that I really met Joey, um, Ian Bicko and I. So he used to live in Mobile, Alabama. Ian and 
Yeah, and we went to the same college, and we actually helped start the club team there. Um, and so we started playing indoor together, and I was trying to find anyone that would play beach, but no one liked beach in Alabama, and they all wanted to be able to bounce the ball and, like, you know, only be good at one thing. And I was – I preferred beach because you, you got to touch the ball every time. You had to be good at everything. You had to actually be a great volleyball player at beach. And I called Ian. It had to be like, man, it was probably 8 p.m. the night before the event. And we, the event's in Baton Rouge, right? And so I'm like, Ian, come on, come play with me, please. And it takes some convincing, but he calls me back like an hour later, and he's like, all right, dude, let's go do it. And so – we drive from Mobile to Baton Rouge the next morning, and Joey and Jordan are there, Jordan Mercer on, and they're just peppering. I mean, they're not doing anything special. They're just peppering. And I remember watching them pepper, and I was just like, man, like, those guys are so good. You know what I mean? Like, just watching them pepper. And so Ian and I proceeded to play Joey and Jordan, where they just skyballed us, and they were slamming margaritas and just, like, talking a ton of trash. And they small-balled everyone to death at that tournament. I mean, they won by a pretty big margin. And like I said, they were slamming margaritas the whole day. So by the end of the day, they could, like, barely walk around, but yet they're beating everyone in, at a beach volleyball tournament. And they ended up winning money. And Joey and I, somehow I got to go to dinner with him that night and got his number from that group. And then I just started texting him all the time. Just like back then I was a lot different, man. I was texting this guy like three, four times a week. Like, man, man, please play with me. Please play with me. Like, please uh, let me come to a practice. Like, let me come to a practice, blah, blah, blah. And then at some point somebody bailed for a practice like the night before and they needed to fill in. It was like 9 PM. And they're like, if you can come, you know, I guess you can play tomorrow. So I drive into the practice the next day, and turns out the guy that couldn't practice can now practice, of course. So I get there, and Joey's, you know, he lets me play and, like, or lets me warm up and do drills. Jumping. And then the team comes, and he's like, look, man, here's the thing. You're not good enough to play. And, uh, you know, but you're good enough. You can shag and you can hang out, and if you stay, I'll set you some more balls after. Well, you know me at the time, I was like, oh yeah, I get to, uh, I get to hang out with him after. Like I can probably, I can probably get him to like me more or something. You know what I mean? I was trying to do whatever I could to get into that group. So I hung out, and I was, I just tried to be cool. And um, he sent me more balls after, and we talked more. And you know, something I'll say about Joey is he's pretty big on passion, and. Uh, I'm I'm a big passion guy, you know, whether it's friendships, relationships, um, sports, any of it, you know, I'm very passionate about it all. And he could feel that from day one. And he just started inviting me back to do drills and warm up and then set after. And then eventually he let me practice. And that's kind of how we became friends was we would eat dinner after practices or whatever we were doing, a lunch after practice. And um, the friendship just kind of grew and grew and grew. And I never stopped asking him to play in tournaments two or three times a week. And we played in our first tournament 
at Bulldog Beach, it was Judd Smith was like running pretty decent tournaments. So, so and, Wisconsin, right? Say again. Where's Bulldog in Wisconsin? It's in Navarre, Florida. Oh, got you. All right, go ahead. And, uh, and so Joey and I played, and dude, I couldn't hit a high line. Like <laughs> I had, I just couldn't. And I remember in the middle of the tournament, we're going in and we're about to play this team. I don't even remember who they were, but Joey was like, hey, man, these, this team can't beat me. Like, yeah, I just want you to hit high lines. And he's like, I don't want you to do anything but hit high lines. So the whole game, I hit high lines. And then afterward, we're going into playoffs. I was like, Joey, you still want me to hit some high lines? And he's like, no. He's like, now I just want you to hit. He's like, I don't want you to do any more high lines. Yeah. He's like, those were bad enough. That was bad enough. And so we end up making it to the semifinals, and we play – Derek Zimmerman and Evan Corey, because Evan Corey and I started together when we were really young. Yeah. And then Derek picked up Evan, and then Joey kind of put me under his wing. Cool. Derek's, and, Derek's a real one. I like it. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, dude, I will say, like, you can say whatever you want. Like, I hate guessing games. I hate guessing games. And I know, like, with him, at least I'm never guessing. You know what I mean? <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but anyway so i hit angle it's like 20 to 20 and joey's like dude if you uh if you just hit some high lines right now we're gonna win this and i was like uh okay okay just I, go, <laughs> I, I go back and i just hit angle again and Derek digs me puts it away and joey's like bro if you just hit angle i mean high line right now like you'll probably side out. I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Oh, well, you know what comes next. Ah, oh, through your yeah, yeah, bullshit. What go ahead? What did you do? <laughs> Hit angle again. Derek digs me again. And um, that's the game. And after the tournament's over, I'm like, Joey, man, like, we gonna play some more together? And he's like, Hell no, we're not playing together. He's like, Why would I play with you? Can't even hit a high line. He's like, Go home, learn how to hit a high line. Show me. Call me back. Well, dude, I learned how to hit a high line, and then we won the next event that we played in. Mm. And then we played another event that was my first 20-plus team tournament win, and that was in Fort Walton. And we played Derek and Evan in the final. And we beat Derek and Evan pretty good, and I got my partner back. So I got Evan back after that. And Joey, that was kind of his goal. He's like, bro, like, He's like, let me help you accomplish this goal. Like, you know what I mean? Joey was like never really about himself when he was helping me. And um, so that was kind of how Joey and I became friends. And since then, we talk on the phone at least two times a week, man. Like, he's really special to me. I mean, he, he's helped mold me into a, more than just a volleyball player, but also like a grown man, you know? Yeah. So. I really don't know how else to describe their relationship except for special. So, but he, and he, I also think he set a he set a standard like a gold standard on how. Sorry, get some mic. He set a gold standard on how you 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 decide you want to treat other people. Like he has his way of doing it. You have your you're like I like this way. I want I want to do it this way, but I also want to do it another way. So he might have been one of the many people that shaped your your volleyball personality as it is. But at the same time, we both know that your volleyball personality doesn't exist without a Joey. That's why I asked. Um, I was gonna ask what Joey means to you, but you kind of um, you kind oh, of man, answered. I you kind of answered. In the word. Yeah. It'll make me tear up if I talk about it too much, honestly. So he's just the absolute yeah. best, dude. 
Yeah. So I like Joey. I like him a lot. I went to New Orleans 2021. You know, and I met him a few times before that, but um, or maybe or not, but he treated me like I, I met him a few times, right? Derek Zimmerman, um, Sean Ledig introduced me to him after I, I called Center Court, which, by the way, I think it was Evan Corey and Logan against um, Rafa Rodriguez and Marciniak, which, by the way, wasn't even the best match. The, the semis, the one with freaking John Ferrari and Andrew Dentler, that was. That was yeah, that match is on court one, but because it was Evan and Logan, the whole crowd turned that into that their little de facto center court because center court was um Baranek and Troy Field against Rafa and Pewter. But um, yeah, but I thought the best match. But anyway, sorry. Um, Sean Ledig introduced me to Derek, Derek Zimmerman and Derek, who I found out later didn't really didn't even get along with Sean. And I'm, I'm I don't know Derek. Derek don't know me, and we're shaking hands and we're both looking at Sean like, why do I care, right? And Derek's like, why do I care, right? So um, I told him I said I'm looking for a place to sing karaoke and and, and some whiskey, some good um, uh, whiskey. Do you know a spot? And he's like, yeah, getting this pickup. Me and Derek find a spot now. I guess you call it the French Quarter. What the hell do you call that in New Orleans or whatever? Um, yeah. So we drive and every spot has a line out the door. And then we pass by this little hole in the wall, this little dive bar. And this freaking woman's playing guitar solo. No one's listening to her, but me and Derek are. And we go in there. And from 11 o'clock to 4 in the morning, five hours of volleyball. And now the dude's like one of my best friends. And now every time I talk to that guy, I felt like, I feel like he's someone I met in 2005. You know, and every time I call him, hey, what's good, man? How are things? You know, how's your family? And, you know, I talked to him on the phone for an hour, like uh, two weeks ago. Um, and it was weird. I don't even know why Sean made the introduction, but Sean was like, trust me, you two would like each other. You know, because. For the guys coming up, like, yeah. <clears throat> you had to earn the stripes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah. And once you did, he was cool with you. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? mean, dude, yeah, I got. um. Look, he paid his dues, man. He's he's big on that, you know. And you know, I'm not. A, I wasn't a big beach guy coming in. I was a big indoor guy. But you meet me for 20 minutes, you know. I got more stripes than a Yankee uniform. So, you know, I got. <laughs> you know, I, I command the, the the knowledge and just me the way I talk. A good game is not just talking a good game. I know my I know my sport and I love my sport just as much as you do. And um and dude, I'm still so excited. Talk to me about Culpepper. What do you, what do you, give me, give me one or two things you like about Dave. Dude, he's just real. You know yes. what I mean? Like I said, I don't like guessing games. Mm -hmm. I don't got to guess with Dave either. You know, if Dave feels tell something. Every, whoa, whoa. Tell everybody what Dave does first. I got to let you talk. I can't be talking all day. You know, you, if you let me, dude, <laughs> people um, listening to this what, podcast what will be like, Jason needs to shut up and let this guy talk. Tell, tell everybody what who Dave, Dave is. Do? You know, what does he not do? So first he... I never got to see Dave play, but to my understanding, Dave was a badass on the court as well. And post-playing, he worked on the AVP, setting up all the events and just like, man, there's so many people that Dave has helped along the way, like, and just been so giving to the volleyball world. And like, yep. for example, like Triborn had never qualified, had never done anything yet. And he shows up. I'm sure you've heard the story. And nope. <laughs> Well, okay, so this is dude. A it's a cool big story. country, man. It's more than four zip codes, bro. Let's let's go. And so, Triborn shows up to his hotel. Dave doesn't really know who he is. Tri doesn't really know who Dave is. And I don't know. Tri couldn't like get into his room or something. And then 
Dave saw him at the desk and was like, hey, are you playing in the volleyball tournament? He's in the qualifier at the time. And Tri's like, yeah, man, I'm, uh, I'm playing, but I can't get into my room, yada, yada. Dave just throws him a key and, like, tells him what room he's in. And, like, dude, that's Dave. But, yeah, so he builds volleyball courts. I mean, he's like a he's like an engineer. He just builds things and, like, you know what I mean. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah, I like him a lot. He, um, I met him World Series of Beach. Um, he was okay. he was doing setup and teardown the bleachers the whole setup where you know the speaker system like you said he's the mastermind behind these these masterful artful setups that we call beach volleyball venues so um, right. and at the time I just moved to California and no one knew me so I just bought a video camera and I just started filming and just talking you know doing analytical and talking shit behind it and Dave knew me from that he saw some of my videos and he says I'll tell you what if you stay in this corner and don't move <laughs> He says you could stay on center court. So I didn't get up, dude. I didn't stand up to get a drink. I didn't like move around. I didn't like adjust my sneakers. I I, I was this <laughs> the whole tournament, and and the next tournament he and he hooked me up with Andrew July, who does volleyball media, and then they gave me media credentials, and then you know I was on my way. I I, I you know I moved here to do a color commentary. And to do coaching, so that was one, that was one of the the two major uh, ops, uh, goals. So Dave, Dave was one of those guys. He liked me. I met his son, and, and you want to talk about respectful and the way someone raises their kids, dude. Ryan or Cole? Um, oldest one. Who's older? Okay, one? Yeah. yeah. But I mean, Ryan, they're both homies. Pick them, like, but but I'm saying pick them. Raise respectful, man. You know the kids that that southern virtue. The way someone shakes your hand, the way someone looks you in the eye when they shake your hand, the way someone talks to you. You know, um, we were talking about how to how to raise our kids, dude. I give you Dave Culpepper on that one. Yep, yeah. So the reason why I brought up the qualifier because I wanted to convey to my audience a lot of a lot of my audience is indoor people most of them are beach people and, and since the option has moved on to other things I mean I got people that don't even know the sport of volleyball just kind of whatever but for the for the people who are not purists and the people who are not um, enthusiasts for the for the casuals or, or others the qualifier or a series of matches that you have to win to get into something we call the main draw. So if you look at tennis, right? The tennis already has a single elimination, 132 team draw. Before that is an actual qualifier, people to get spots, to get one of those 132 spots. So for beach volleyball, let's just call it for local purposes. There, You got probably like 50 teams battling for four spots, right? Except Manhattan yep. Beach, was like, which is like 100 for eight spots. Just to give my, my um, other audience a perspective on how hard it is just to be able to call yourself a pro. Now, yes. Now, I want you, I'm going to give you the floor, but I also want to have an emphasis. The people who are in this qualifier are the people who are the most respected members of their volleyball communities. Pottstown Rumble winners, right? Motherload, um, uh, Wapaka before, you know, before the AVP took it. Jersey, Point Pleasant, right? You know, they had some gnarly people out there. So you take into consideration that I'll give you an example. You were in New York, right? Like you lost the you you lost the play into Brunsting and Frischman. The guys right. you beat the first round, Stanley Martinez and Carell. Carell played for his indoor Russia national team. He's on the end of the bench, but he made the national team. And Stanley Martinez played for the Dominican national team. And he was in the Pan Am games as, as a setter. You know, he he could hit, but I mean, those are two of the guys you you and um um was it Travis? No, it was um Evan Corey. You and Evan beat with relative ease. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? But but savages, savages, right? 2019, I coached Earl Schultz and Jake. Our playing game was against Evan Corey and Kevin Valela. Yep. That's, that's not easy. I served that. I didn't know who Evan was. All I knew is like we served him three times. He's a pain in the ass lefty, and he ain't seeing no more serves. Yeah. I was just like, what? Did he just turn this way and then go this way like he's going to go on and then and did that last minute because he saw the switch? What? You ain't getting served no more. What? Valela? <laughs> what? You got a staph infection under them black sweats? <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're in. Just don't serve him. No lollipops, yeah. no lollipops to Valela. So Evan, as a lefty, left-handed hitter, can option. No free ball. We got to go free ball. Got to keep it in play. We ain't going to him. No, 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 no. You want to do this the easy way, or you want to do this the hard way? That was right. when Evan. I think he took out the one just just to get the play in. It was Buttinger and Friend. I'm you sure know? he did. Oh no, it was Cervantes and someone else that took out Friend, and then Corey took out Cervantes, and then Jake and Earl took out Corey. But that was the first time I met Corey, and he he's. But I just wanted I wanted to give you the floor because uh, you you talked about it a little bit and, and how exciting the qualifiers are, but I wanted to put some respect on their name on the names of the people who represent the best of their communities. You see people in the main draw, dude. Don't let the purse fool you. Don't let the broke ass money fool you. The these people are elite athletes, right? I'm coaching Jeff Samuels. Uh, um, I invited my kids my club kids to, to watch me and they're like, wow, this is good. And I'm like, 32 teams, man. It's the 1% of 1%, <laughs> you know? So, but um, um, is this something you'd like to say to echo the sentiment or the respect that is due to to these people who represent their communities uh, um, with, with a, a level of competitiveness and, and, and passion and professionalism? I mean, I agree with you. It's like, if you're at the qualifier, you believe in yourself. You work hard. All of those guys really believe in their purpose in the game. Mm -hmm. And I haven't met many people that play qualifiers for fun. I mean, you're spending your money, your time, your belief, 5 a.m. workouts, all of those things, and you're going to this single elimination, single loss, you're out mentality. The whole trip. The whole trip, right? Yeah. Could be for nothing for one game. It's crazy. And like, I mean, I love the format because it really, I mean, it separates the men from the boys. That's for sure. But like, <laughs> but like man. Gladiator is, pits, baby. <laughs> it, is, it is grueling, man. It is grueling. And, uh, Dude, you're waiting for I mean, they, lions to come out of the sand while, while yeah. you're battling with your sword and shield. And you're waiting for like lions to be like, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I mean, that's pretty much about it for me. I mean, that's how I feel. Um, it is a bunch of crazy people that really believe they're there for a reason. And those are hard people to beat at anything. You know what I mean? So nothing but respect to all the guys at all levels on the AVP, honestly. So, yep. I'm actually looking at just um, the 2017, the BVB page, just some of the people that you played in and, Dude, the heartbreak. Like you got play in New York, right? You got play in Seattle. We already talked about that. You got play in a third round Hermosa Beach. Jake Robert, Jake Rosner and Garrett. Garrett Westberg. Garrett's 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 another real one. And then Manhattan Beach, Gustafson and, and the other Garrett, Garrett Wilson. 
Dude, he camped out in that one, bro. He what? I was telling you, we could barely walk. Like that was like tearing up on the court in the middle of the game. Like we knew, like we couldn't. Like Christian was full body cramping. I was full body cramping. Like arms, ribs. Like you know what I mean? Yep. That was a really, really rough one. That was then. There's New York first round. The Partain brothers. I was there because um. Coaching Jeff Samuels and Doc Vandermeer in the Parchains played us next round and beat us in three sets. And then they lost to Brunsting and, um, no, um, Frischman and, um, Marciniak. Okay, you got Manhattan Beach. Oh, Cameron Beans is awesome. Kevin Knight, David Arnold. Got you. Travis Goldsmith, Max Martin. Not the easiest team in the world to beat, especially Max. Well, Max is on. Oof. Kuzra. That was like Ian's first year playing competitive beach. And then that gnarly injury against Kuzrock and Rob McLean. That was in Chicago. Yep. Ooh, man. And then Virginia Beach. Virginia Beach. Okay, here's my question. You're in the finals against Hagen Smith and Logan Weber. You already you beat a very, very tough Jake, Jake Arudia, who's playing his best volleyball now, I think, in this year, right? Uh, um, Ian Satterfield, the, one of the easiest partners to get along with, a partner where you don't have to deal with your partner. So knowing that you already got a spot for Hermosa Beach, what was the mindset going in? Were you thinking, all right, we got a spot at Hermosa Beach and I'm happy, but I want to leave winners? Or were you thinking I'm exhausted? Um, it's you and Travis, right? And this is an automatic bid for Hermosa Beach. Walk me through the getting to the finals between the after you just won the semis, you're, you're approaching the finals. Sure. What's we your mindset? What's the conversation? Yeah. Dude, I mean, what I'll say is in the South, like, we want to win. Like, I mean, everyone wants to win, but I've been chasing this goal. I know what you mean. It's not the same. Go ahead. Yeah, I've been chasing this goal for so long, and I had my tears. I had my happiness. And then as soon as I was done with that, I was like, all right, we still have a tournament to win. Like, so, I mean, that was my mentality. I don't want to lose. And um, we lost. <laughs> but you know what I mean? That was kind of how I felt in that moment was, um, you know, I don't want to lose. I want to go out there and ball out. Let's put on a show and let's win this damn thing. Um, but obviously, they got us. And they're a very talented team. So, but really fun. Yeah. Hey, and you know what? Look, you had the you had the Taylor's first round in Hermosa Beach, right? But Dave Palman, Rodfield Rodriguez, you know, you're you're in the contenders bracket. That's not an easy team to beat, right? Chase Fishman and Bill Kalinsky, right? That's these are teams that don't have a hold. You have to beat them straight up, right? They're they're uh, people think they have a secret sauce, and some people do, right? Some people you look at enough video and they have weaknesses, but you look at Dave Palm, he doesn't have a whole lot. You got you got to get catch him on an off day, or and maybe that game is decided at the service line, right? And then eventually you lose to Miles Evans and Chase Buttinger. Another team was playing their best volleyball at the right time. So, um, one more volleyball question, and then we're gonna have a little fun. Um, you lose the first round to Taylor and Taylor. You're now in the contenders bracket. What kind of conversation do you have with Travis about hitting the reset button? 
like, hey, that's we're still in this thing? Or was there a conversation? Was there just one of these things, this clairvoyant thing where you sit with him and you're like, okay, it is what it is. Let's go pick up the pieces. Let's go. Man, we play <laughs> and we play the first set. And I just remember thinking, man, we can do this. Like, we can beat the Taylors, you know, like, and, uh, you know, I remember the first set pretty well because I would see Taylor and you know that I use a lot of my vision for the game. Taylor would move left, I'd hit right. You know, I would set Travis, you know, Taylor would move right, I'd hit left. But every time he was giving me a different look, you know, going into the second set, he had me completely timed out. Like if he moved left and I hit right, he was back right. If I saw him move right and then try to look longer and saw him move left, he was back right. You know what I mean? That was crazy for me, like to be timed out that way. Um, yep. That was special, man. Like he is special. I mean, I know that I'm preaching to the choir here, but that was hard for me. Uh, I've never, I've lost plenty of volleyball games. Um, I lose more than I win. And most of us do. And um, well, the higher the level you play, right? The more that yeah. that win loss record looks more like 500. But go ahead. <laughs> and so for me, it was just mind blowing. Uh, it took. I'm really happy they don't make you play the same day anymore. Oof. Like, because I don't know if I would have gotten over it. Like, I mean, he really destroyed me, <laughs> and it was hard for my brain to wrap around because I've been beaten, like I said, a lot, but not quite that way in the way that I play, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like he saw what I was doing and then was just like the whole first set was figuring it out. And then the second set his, wrecked me. His supercomputer. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Supercomputer was crazy. And so I go and I sit down at like a Chipotle with my wife. I just want to get away from the social aspect of everything. And cause I'm overwhelmed at this point, you know what I mean? I'm having all the doubts you can possibly think of. Like, man, I'm just going to be another 0-2 guy in this main draw. I'm just going to be another, like, fairy tale that didn't happen. And, I mean, it happened, but to get there. But you know what I mean. Of course. And I'm getting all these text messages from people that are giving me their advice. And, you know, I'm just ignoring it, all of them. <sighs> Jesus. And I just our, called Joey, Our freaking man. friends, dude. <laughs> and I just called Joey. And, you know... One, I talked to Travis, and Travis said, J.D., I wouldn't overthink this. He's one of the best volleyball players in the world. And he was like, you know, take it for what it is. He's one of the best volleyball players in the world, and you're on the same stage as him. And I was like, man. And so moving forward, I go to Chipotle. I get away from the environment of just, like, all these people flooding you and just, like, and then I call Joey, and I'm like, all in my feels and he's like look man you belong here he's like you belong here and you're good enough to be here he's like just take a deep breath and just know that and he's like and you know what we do baby he's like you know what we do he's like we're gonna go and we're gonna be that dog in that fight and i have an amazing wife and sh amazing child and they both just filled me with love and joey filled me with love and confidence and dude the next day i just came out and i was ready to go again it was all a brand new brand new mentality brand new mind brand new everything and i played so free and 
like Joey said, it was like, this is a unique moment, you know, don't let this moment crush you. Just enjoy this moment, you know? And once I felt like I wasn't in a glass box of emotions, you know? Yeah. I was just like, oh man, like, this is so awesome. He's right. Like I'm in Hermosa. I'm in the main draw. Let's go freaking ball out tomorrow. And that's how it happened, bro. And then after that, Travis and I were just, it was amazing. Honestly, amazing. Like, I don't know how else to describe a tournament like that. Placing a top 10 in Hermosa, man. Right. I'm not done, but you know what I mean. It was no, just no, it's, it's it's the next step. It's it's the step that you've been looking for and you weren't sure what the next step was going to look like, right? And now that you know what it looks like, it's mind-blowing, but at the same time, you woke up the next day and you're still there. You're still, yep. you're, and not just still, not just still John Hamilton, not just still a guy that can play, not just still, not not just a guy that still has a support system. You're literally still there because it's, it's it's double elimination. So, so I All wanted right. to say two things about that, and this is important for for you to hear, and this is important for our audience to hear. One, Taylor at the level he plays is going to lose more games than he wins. All right at the level he plays, at the level that he desires to play, I promise you, is losing more than he's winning. All right? On the FIVB scene, on, on the scene where the people use their power to set up the shot instead of the the shot to set up their power, that supercomputer is going to take a little longer to figure that one out. So he right now is in a position because he's a few steps ahead of where you are. He's in a position, and that's real. I'm just I'm going to say it again because because haters going to hate, but I'm an East Coast guy. I got to keep it real. He is losing. Look at his... look. He, I'm a Bill Parcells guy. You are what your record says you are. He's losing more than he's winning at the level that he wants to play. Not playing CBVAs where him and Taylor can just house anybody wherever they want. Not against you and Travis where he's like, ooh, new guy, fresh meat, you know, but he's he's in the same boat you are except at a different level. So I'm glad you realize that. And the second thing is this, and this is important. I said this before and I'm going to say it again. They say that losing is not an option. JD, it's, that's absolutely ridiculous. Losing is an option, okay? Losing is the most readily available option that will be there whenever you need it. It is Hot 97 Rhyme ready. It's in the back door waiting for, waiting, waiting for you to open it and come in. It is the most com- comfortable thing you could ever be in. So if you're in this situation where you feel like it's too heavy, it is incumbent upon your coaches, it is incumbent upon your partner, and, and you, the combination of the three, you just say, hey, next play. Or you could like negative talk creep up in your head, you know, in this. And so, so I, I'm saying, I'm preaching that I converted on this a little bit. So I appreciate you just indulging, but this is important for the thousands of people who listen to this podcast. Still, still the most viewed in the sport. Um, one, the other, guy, the other guy's feeling it too, or has felt it. And two, You've accepted it as not this abnormal, unnatural feeling. You're on your way. Yep. You're on your you're on your freaking way. You're on your way. Thanks for the patience on that, because I know a lot of this doesn't apply to you, but some of it does. Um, but you're across the net, and he's been in situations where he feels that too, and he treated it like it's an it's okay. You have the devil on your shoulder, right? There's enough times he's been there enough where you're like, oh, oh it's only you. <laughs> Okay, uh, I've been here before. So I think the thing that gets you through these tournaments, or if you're one of those players that has a hang up about being thinking you're good enough because you run into a brick wall, um, 
it's just another step. It's just another obstacle, right? So the you know it's just about to me my indoor mentality is I bury my competition, right? And that the obstacle's bigger. I just gotta I just gotta dig the hole a little bigger. It's just the hole. It's just the hole. I gotta make a little bit bigger to fit that big ass body in. <laughs> okay, so so and but but that comes from what you were talking about before. You want to win. Everyone wants to win. That's a general thing. But there are levels to wanting to win. Okay. You, 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 um, you mentioned Rob Diorora, right? That guy wants to win. He, he likes to have a lot of fun. He, and, he's, and we love him. Rob McLean wants to win. And it kills him when he doesn't win, right? Taylor Crabb doesn't even like to lose in ping pong. Watch that dude at a ping pong table and watch him walk away in a huff if he loses, right? So there's that right. different competitive nature that comes with being an elite athlete that you have come to accept that I hope you continue to accept. You are one of them. And, and with, with, with an upside, some of them already, they already hit where they got to go. You know, Theo, who's a close, uh, you know, I, I consider a closer friend than most or whatever. I thought he, Theo hit his and then turns out he's got more, right? Turns out he's got Pompeo as his coach. Turns out Trevor's like, okay, we're the lost boys. We got dumped by our partner. Guess what? We're the ones going to the Olympics, right? So, so um, and, but I think they're going. So, and that's it. But, um, but I just wanted to I let like you that. know that, huh? I love that team. Yeah. And, but I love you. You're special. You're special. Thank man. You, You're special. This sport loves you. We love you. This and and JD, I, I know you already know this, but it's so much fun to say anyway. This is who you are. This is who you are. This is where you belong. And and me, I might not last that long in this sport because I, I have I have my own goals and and if it's a good old boys club and I'm not in it, then at some point I might just say, hey, I'm gonna do a mixed martial arts because I got connections or or just go back to theater performance, which I did in New York. But um, I love the sport too much to just walk. But this, nah, this is who you are. This is who you are, and you have such a great support system. That reminds you that the job is there, but the job can't save your ass. What saves you? Your family, your significant other. What saves you? Friends with different last names. That's that's allows you to to hit the reset button and fucking come back in there and play volleyball like a mammal. And that's all I wanted to say about that. I got a little too deep, you know. I love I love you so much, kid. You're so freaking good at this, and you, and you bring so much that means as much to volleyball as much more as it does more to volleyball, if if you even get that. Let's, I do, man, and I really really yeah. appreciate that. I really do. Yeah. Like honestly, thank you. Don't make me cry. I'm a smack you through through this camera. I will reach through this camera and slap you. Don't don't do that. Uh, so actually, I have your your open your uh, first round um, that I'm going to play at the end of the podcast. I usually do like a, a credits thing. Uh, but instead of doing my, my closing credits, I'm going to do, I'm going to do 60 seconds of you and Travis because Travis had a, a sandcast, like a highlight thing of the center court match. So I'll do that later. But for now, let's have a little fun. Let's go to my one minute time clock. And you, my man, are going to give me, you have 60 seconds to give me your, the three favorite venues or hubs that you play volleyball at. The floor, here's our, hold on, where is it? Where's my clock? Oh, there's our clock. There's our clock, brother. There's our one minute. <laughs> 60 seconds, your three favorite places, go. Okay, so I have to say number one for me is always gonna be in Alabama, near and dear to the heart. 
Gulf Shores. I mean, one of the first beaches that I ever lived at and played at. Dave Culpepper, Davy Jones, Dan Deal, all these great names, great guys, great people. Um, but also in Alabama, Hobbit Park. It's a grass park. It's where I learned how to play. I mean, it's just the freaking best. All these old dudes, they're my favorite. Like, they have helped mold me into the man that I am. Coconut Beach. It's where I have been so many times learning from Joey Keener, learning from so many of those guys where I met Evan Corey. We had our first volleyball tournament together there. And then to end it, it's got to be Hermosa. It's where Christian and I lived in a car. It's where I had my first like, really big main draw breakthroughs. Um, I know that was four, but grass doesn't count. So that's what I had. Boom. Did you say, let's let the horn go off? Oh, no horn. Okay, never mind. Um, did you say Hobbit Beach? Hobbit Park. Hobbit Park. Like Lord of the Rings Hobbit. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys, it's Frodo. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> Don't you love for the L's, my dude. What's up? <laughs> living in the Shire, baby. <laughs> Definitely living in the Shire. So for me, I'll go. I'll reset for me. It's worth it. I like Coconut Beach. I liked calling it. It was the first time I got a chance to call um, Center Court on uh, for the AVP because I did uh, NVL, Hermosa Beach. That was my first commentating gig for Beach. But there's something about night lights. There's something about a really hot, humid day. And then at night, you got that warm wind where you don't have to wear a jacket. And the lights are shining bright and you're playing volleyball. So I really, really love uh, Coconut Beach for that. The second thing, I love New York City. I just love the immigration population. The Koreans from Flushing, the, the Dominicans from Uptown, the, the Russians from Brighton Beach, the Polacks from South Brooklyn. All of them are there on different parts of the bleachers to watch you guys play on center court, even in the qualifier. I mean, you, you, you beat a team from Russia and Dominican Republic, for Christ's sake, your first round. So, And my third one, I got to go Hermosa Beach. It was between Manhattan and Hermosa Beach, but Hermosa Beach, I trip, I fall, I'm there. I don't have to drag any equipment, you know, so there's a little bias that goes to that. So, and it's, all, it's, it's basically Manhattan Beach, except it's more intimate. Like exactly. Manhattan Beach is big and nostalgic and it is the granddaddy, but there's this, there's almost like an NVL-esque type uh, um, setup and environment and attitude with Hermosa. Because you, you, you played NVL, so you know what I'm talking about when I mean intimate. Like the, the guys that tour that travel, Chris Frazier, you know, Bobby Jones, you know, Project Serve, uh, just just a bunch of great guys. Zon, the late, God bless his soul, Skylar Del Swole. Skylar Del Swole, he's all swollen up. Now you saw him all muscular at, at, at the motherload. <laughs> all right, because it's late, we'll do our lightning round, 60 seconds. And these are one question. Quick question, quick answer things, and this, they're just for you. And thank you, thank you, because I know you just got off of work, and I, I, if I think I'm exhausted right now in Hermosa Beach at like, what, 8.15? I can't even imagine how you feel, so. So here we go, brother, ready? Um, and go. Uh, favorite comedian? Man, Jim Carrey is probably my favorite comedian. I mean, growing up last, for me. Last good book you read, quick questions. Uh, last good book that I read. Um, we'll do a champion. Nice. Uh, Marvel or DC? Marvel. Last good movie you watched? On in the theater uh, or home? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem. Nice. Pooler Beach. Uh, beach. 
Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter? Lord of the Rings. Bourbon, vodka, or tequila? Bourbon. Favorite sport outside of volleyball? Oh, man. I played soccer in college, but basketball. <laughs> Favorite action film star growing up? Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Arnold. Any favorite conspiracy rabbit holes? Uh, aliens, but it's not a conspiracy. They're real. <laughs> <laughs> aliens are real, baby. I almost dropped. That was literally a mic drop. <laughs> Hold still. Um, yeah, mine is the JFK assassination. I'm, I'm mixed military. You know, I'm an expert on the M16 and the Beretta, which are semi-automatic weapons. And this guy let off three shots with a bolt-action rifle <laughs> that that moves the scope every time you every time you slide the bolt. Let yeah. off three shots in 6.9 seconds and hit the president twice, including a head a headshot. I call nonsense. I call BS. I I yeah. say more than one shooter, and more than one shooter means conspiracy. So that's just my my um, logical approach to that. So. Yeah, um, listen, what's your Insta or anyone that wants to know a little bit more about what you've been up to and what's next for Hamilton? So Facebook, I'm a lot more active. Um, just JD Hamilton on Facebook. It's a picture of me and my <laughs> child hugging at the Hermosa beach. And then my Insta is the real slim JD with a three for the E. Nice dude. That's my dude. So that's what he's got so for listen so for everybody else jd hamilton might love you but i don't love any of you guys in fact i can't even stand you in fact i, I i'm out of here i can't even be here anymore so so from my man jd hamilton i'm jason the this is episode 197 uh no 190 of the option podcast stay with me i want to do a little 60 second instead of the credits i'm gonna do highlights of your your hermosa game but for now um for the audience we're out of here later Darn it, Travis. No, I'm just kidding. Option. Pretty classic, that whole tournament. Look, we're on the option, and Travis provided us with options. I thought he was going to swing block, and he faked it. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Where are you going, JD? Let's go a couple more plays before the tech timeout. Let's go two more plays. Ah, we ain't ending on that one. One more. Oh, did he get it? He did. He got me. Dang. (laughs) Oh, he wanted that in a bad way. (laughs) All right, last play. All right, guys, we are out of here. You stay with me. We're out. All righty.